Thursday, April 12th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Pro, Brian Hinman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Mr. Charlie Travers. Gentlemen, happy Thursday. Thank you, Chris. Hey, Chris. Uh, we are going to engage in a round of undervalued, overvalued, overlooked for new listeners. This is when we sort of step back from the day's news, and, and really the guys come to the table with a couple of stocks they think are undervalued, a couple that are overvalued, and a couple of stories that... Frankly, in everything going on with the financial media, uh, that are are probably being overlooked by most investors. But let's let's start with the undervalued stocks. Charlie, what's your undervalued stock? So the mining sector has, as a group, been really beaten up over the last eighteen months on fears that the Chinese economy is slowing down and demand for commodities as a result is going to drop. So companies like Rio Tinto, BHP Billiton, and Vale have all traded down as a group, uh, you know, a lot of them down 30 40%. What I like about Vale is that it is uh, located in Brazil, and it's the largest iron ore producer in the world. Uh, You get a 5% yield on the stock. And I think it's, uh, you know, the, the whole Chinese story could come to pass, and China's a massive consumer of commodities like iron ore and copper uh, as they're building out their infrastructure. Uh, but Vale has a geographical advantage over these other companies because of where it's situated in Brazil. Brazil just became the sixth largest economy in the world. Uh, South America and Central America have seen a lot of economic growth, and they're going to need these resources to build out their own infrastructure, and I like Vale's position there. Do they have, um, we talk from time to time about companies having pricing power, do, whether it's Vale or any of the others they mentioned, that you mentioned, do they have pricing power or is it really just, are they more at the whim of, you know, the the countries on the other side of the transaction? Yeah, China, I would say China <laughs> has the, uh, the the upper hand in that negotiation. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of negotiating over the iron ore prices in particular uh, because China does not want to pay up and they can play these big companies off each other a little bit. And just to drill down on, on Vale's stock, um, is it also just the you like the valuation? It's not just the, the position and, and where it's located geographically. You just, right. You just right. Think the stock good... here is trading five times earnings. Now, that said, the earnings are going to be incredibly volatile out of a miner, but the long-term demand for this stuff will go up and down in any given year. But, you know, you're all right in the long run. You have to have iron ore, nickel, and the like. And the ticker symbol? V-A-L-E. Okay. Brian Hinman, what's your undervalued stock? I'm going to step it up a notch here, Charlie, <laughs> and get, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move away from the boring mining business right. and talk about another Boring mining business. Awesome. <laughs> this time we're going to turn to the wonderful world of salt, <laughs> mining salt. And uh, the company I want to talk about is Compass Minerals, ticker symbol CMP. Uh, this is really just a great business that's suffering some temporary headwinds, uh, so it's a great opportunity to buy the stock. Let me now. guess. Does the mild winter we just had have anything to do with the stock price? That is one. <laughs> now, many companies complain about weather yep. and how it affects their business. You know, you hear this from retail stocks, restaurant st- stocks all the time. Yep. This company's business is weather, right? Uh, the bulk of its revenues come from uh, rock salt that they sell to muni- municipalities that you know keep us safe when it snows. So the mild winter has really uh, hurt these guys, and really, what it, had, it, didn't, it didn't hurt their volumes, but it hurts their volumes looking forward because municipalities now have domes full of salt that they did not use. Right. So they have to buy less next year. Over the long over the long haul, though, this all sort of averages out. And Compass is a really good business. They've got the largest uh, salt mine in the world. It happens to be located uh, under the Great Lakes, which gives it 
a wonderful shipping advantage because salt is really heavy. So you have to be near your end markets. It's just like what Charlie was saying with uh, Vail being located in Brazil. You know, you have geographic advantages that allow you to be the low-cost leader. Uh, and that's the case with Compass. Now, the kicker with Compass is they have another business. Uh, their other, other business is uh, they mine sulfate of potash. And what this is is it's a potassium-based fertilizer mm-hmm. that is used on uh, high-value crops, so fruits and vegetables. And uh, the bottom line is people want to be healthier. They're eating more fruits and vegetables. I was going to say, we were talking before the podcast. You, you've just Myself included. You've yeah. just concluded a month of staggeringly healthy yeah. eating. Don't look at me. And, <laughs> and what's amazing is, uh, so these high-value crops that this you know, specialty fertilizer is used on, they only make up 4% of the total crop uh, output globally, okay. but that 4% translates to 40% of the crop value. So these are the crops that are actually being sold for you know, a profit to make money. And if these are the crops that are in demand, we're going to need more of this fertilizer. And Compass has, you know, the low cost position in sulfate of potash. Now, I joked a little bit about the mild winter, but is this a situation where uh, it's not just Compass, it's competitors of theirs like Mosaic, like Potash, uh, the company? I mean, are, are, are those stocks also sort of being beaten down a little bit? So those stocks are being beaten down, but for another reason. Uh, the reason that those stocks are being beaten down is because potash prices are uh, low, lower right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are feared that uh, there's going to be a lot of more, a lot of capacity coming online. But sulfate of potash sells at a premium to regular potash, uh, and it's not as easy to bring on new capacity. Uh, so the markets are a little different, uh, and in, for that reason, Compass is in a better position. The other thing that is hurting Compass specifically uh, is that not only did they have a mild winter, but they had a tornado hit their largest mine in Canada. Uh, And so they've spent a lot of money trying to clean up the above-ground portion of the mine. So costs are higher than they're going to be going forward. Yeah, tornadoes are messy from what I understand. A bad winter (laughs) plus tornadoes plus another work stoppage. 2011 was a rough year for these guys. But again, this this is a superior business available at an average price right now. Well, that concludes the mining and minerals portion of today's podcast. Uh, let's move on to the overvalued stocks. Charlie, what do you got? I've been bullish on tobacco stocks for a long time, but I think the top is in. Altria in particular, the stock has doubled over the last three years. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense. I think investors are chasing the yield. It is tempting at 5%, but you have a stock here at 18 times cash flow, which is too expensive. Uh, you look at Marlboro volumes, they're down 3 4% every year over the past decade, and that trend is not going to reverse. You know, Smoking is becoming less and less popular. Uh, they are tied to the domestic market. They can't expand overseas uh, because of the Philip Morrison International spinoff. Yep. And, and so this is just This is the ultimate industry in decline, and I would not pay up for growth here. This dividend is not going to be sustainable in the long run. There's only so many years they can continue to jack up the price to compensate for the volume declines. Uh, So I would not be a buyer of Altria here. Do you think – because I could see where people would look at the dividend and find it attractive just for that reason alone. Do you foresee in the next few years – I mean, you say it's not sustainable. Do you foresee Altria coming out 
at some point and saying, you know what, we're actually going to cut our dividend in half or something like that? Uh, not, not in half. So not in half, but yeah, decreasing the, it. The tobacco companies basically pay out the entirety of their free cash flow as a dividend. Uh, and so it will track the earnings on this business. Uh, so it might be more of a decline of a couple percentage points a year. It wouldn't be something dramatic. Chris, I think you hit on a really good point there. Uh, there are going to be a lot of companies like Altria, where the dividends just aren't sustainable because their business is in decline. Investors are so hungry for yield right now that they're chasing yield. They're overpaying for yield. Another company that comes to mind uh, that's in terminal decline is Pitney Bowes. Right? They make weighing machines uh, for the USPS, mm-hmm. uh, so you can basically print stamps. Right? Everyone knows you know, mail is having problems and going away. They have a, a pretty impressive yield, uh, but again, I think People are overpaying for that yield simply because yield is hard to find right now. So the investors out there really need to focus on not only what the yield is today, but whether or not it's sustainable. Totally agree. What's your uh, overvalued stock? All right, so I'm going to try and redeem myself here, and I'm going to go high-tech and exciting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> of course, I'm saying high-tech and exciting is what I want to bet against I was right now. Say, it's <laughs> overvalued. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> not just high-tech and exciting. It's overvalued yeah. high-tech <laughs> and exciting. Yeah, so the company I want to talk about is KIT Digital. Uh, the ticker symbol is KITD. Uh, and this is uh, a company that's in a hot area, right? They make software to manage digital video assets. Uh, the best way I can describe this is to think of uh, ESPN, right? So ESPN does a 60 minute uh, Sports Center segment, okay. right? They then have 60 minutes of video footage that they cut up into what, 25, 40 segments? Sure. Right? Each of those segments, uh, they put out on a bunch of different platforms, right? They have their mobile platform. They have their regular internet platform. They have like 20 different uh, branded ESPN sites. They're all in different languages, all in slightly different formats. You've got to manage all of that content, right? You've got to make it available and you've got to be able to recall it when you need it. Uh, So they make the software that sort of makes this easy, right? So a very hot area, right? It's high growth, lots of buzzwords, buzzwords. It's software as a service. It's a cloud service, all of these things. Who doesn't love the cloud? Right. And if that's not an investment thesis right there, I don't know what it is. (laughs) So anyway, the company has uh, a remarkable number of warts on it. uh, And they just, they're glaringly, they stick out glaringly. Uh, First off, the company is a totally questionable strategy. Their strategy is to uh, buy a bunch of failed startups and (laughs) grossly overpay for them. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two Not is Yahoo. <laughs> number two. Number two is they're an aspiring Yahoo. Right. Uh, number two is uh, they have no respect for shareholders. Right. So over the past three years, uh, they're by by making these acquisitions, revenues have increased eight hundred percent. That's great, right? Sounds Share count me. has increased a thousand percent. So what they've done is they have issued an enormous amount of shares and diluted the heck out of shareholders. Now, the really egregious part about this is they didn't just come to the market and raise a bunch of equity in one time. They have done this on several occasions. They go to the market every time they want to make uh, an acquisition, which basically means that the people who are getting rich in this are the bankers. They have an incredibly cozy banking relationship with Roth Capital. Capital. 
They just have no respect for shareholders. So when we look at management and we look for management that is aligned with shareholders, their interests are aligned with shareholders, it sounds like KIT Digital is not a great example of that. It is not a great example. Uh, And then if you look at the board of directors, uh, you see the board of directors is basically made up with some Harvard classmates. Uh, And one of the only truly independent, seemingly independent directors just stepped down. Uh, It seems to me like this guy sort of got wind of what was going on and just said, I can't Time be associated go. with this, I'm heading for the exits. So uh, there are just too many red flags, too many warts all over this company. Uh, stay away. And even though it's trading under $10 a share, you still think it's overvalued? Yeah, I sure do. I mean, I, I explained the business as best I could, but there are, uh, you know, there are, there's a ton of competition out there. Uh, this is a fast-growing market. There's no way to tell whether or not uh, their product has any chance of winning. Uh, just don't like it. All right. Let's close with the overlooked stories. And again, there's there's so much uh, information available to investors, Charlie, which means that we're bound to just miss something and therefore an opportunity. What's right. a story you think is being overlooked? I would say uh, I'm going to talk about the austerity in Europe, which is not overlooked. But what is overlooked is the impact it has on companies doing business in Europe, in particular, the pharmaceutical companies. And the story here is that uh, a lot of the southern European countries are not paying their bills, and they owe the drug companies $20 billion. (laughs) So companies like Merck and GlaxoSmithKline and Novartis are essentially providing free healthcare services to countries like Greece, Spain, and Italy. Spain, in particular, is on the hook for $6 billion and is taking 800 days to pay their bills. It's, it's remarkable. 800 days? Well, so, you know, what's going to happen is that the hospitals and the healthcare systems are just flat out broke, and they're not going to stop paying these people salaries, uh, you know, and paying mm-hmm. for the costs on the facility themselves. What they're going to do is not pay the medical device companies. They're not going to pay the drug companies, because what leverage do they have? You know, they can't say, I'm going to stop providing cancer drugs or Alzheimer's drugs, because that's a losing PR battle for them. They really have no leg to stand on. Uh, so they just keep, you know, sending the drugs into these countries and eventually hope they get paid. But it's a big problem. So is the opportunity for investors keep that in mind when you're looking at the Mercs and Novartises <laughs> of the world? And, and I would say any company that has exposure to a government as its main source of revenue, um, even though you bring this home to the state of Illinois, where I'm from, they're taking five to six months to pay their vendors. And so they could come here, uh, you look at defense contractors, you know, they have no leverage with the government. It's great to get the contract, um, but you just hope they get paid and not broken on a whim. Yeah, right. a, a quick takeoff on that is, uh, you know, fl- flip that around, look at the inverse, and you say, okay, well, you know, one great investing opportunity right now is to look at companies that save government money. Got one in mind? <laughs> <laughs> so I like a company named uh, K-12. Uh, they're basically redefining education by saving. Uh, they, de- they deliver K-12 through education at about 40% cheaper than traditional brick-and-mortar schools. Okay. Uh, another company is Oracle. You know, Oracle and uh, their, in, you know, their incredible database software. Uh, they have a pretty impressive sales pitch to, to governments as well about how they're going to save them money. Okay. And an overlooked story for investors? Yeah. So this one is, uh, should be glaringly obvious. I have no idea why it's so overlooked. We hear all this, all this chatter about you know, fracking is ruining our groundwater. Uh, you got the Keystone Pipeline being held up because it may one day 
break and ruin our water supply. Uh, the bottom line is uh, the global water infrastructure is horrible. It's crumbling. And uh, no one makes a big deal out of this. But, Chris, I know how you love... <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Sunshine. I know, I know how you love nuggets. So I got a couple nuggets for you. Give me a nugget. So the EPA has identified 49 states that have contaminated water. Sounds that, like almost all of them. That's just about all of them. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. if I'm doing the math right. Uh, there are over 650 water main breaks in the U.S. every day. That's one every two minutes. And we lose 1.7 trillion gallons of water a year from leaky pipes. Let me put that in perspective for you. So if you take the top 10 cities in the U.S., yep. uh, in one year, they consume 1.7 trillion gallons of water. So my assumption is that there are some companies out there that are stepping up and they're going to be the ones to solve this problem. They're going to be the ones worth investing in, yes? Yes, these companies do exist. The problem... <laughs> is that no one cares about this right now, and they've been kicking the can down the road. So while there's an enormous amount of pent-up demand to rebuild and maintain uh, the, the global water infrastructure, uh, right now it's sort of a, a slow and painful game. But uh, there are three companies that, that I really like in this space, and if this issue is ever brought to the forefront uh, of you know, people's minds, the government's minds, uh, there could really be huge opportunity here. Uh, the companies I like, uh, a company called Xylem, Z-Y-L. This company you probably never heard of because it was just spun out of ITT. Okay. Uh, so it's definitely under the radar. Uh, a small company called Agen, A-E-G-N. Uh, a company used to be called In Situ Form. Uh, and they basically make, <laughs> they make uh, resin pipes that can be used to... Uh, instead of replacing cracked pipes, just sort of fits inside the existing pipe, hardens up, and gives, you know, gives broken pipes another 50-year useful life. Uh, and then a company called Franklin Electric, which makes pumps, uh, F-E-L-E for that company. So opportunities are out there, and they're slow-growing but very steady businesses at this point. Uh, but if this humongous problem ever gets brought to the fore, uh, I think these are actually pretty exciting companies. I would think a company like Caterpillar would also be in favor of this because, I mean, if this, if, you know, before you get to the pipes, you got to do some digging. You got to haul some dirt, Charlie. So, I mean, yeah. w wouldn't you think that they would, they would I, hop I, I, on this issue? I would issue? think so, yeah. So that's big the, lobbyist. That's the whole, that's the whole uh, spiel for Agent, right? So they, they say use our pipes, our, you know, cured in place pipes, because you don't have to. To, to make holes in the ground, basically. All that they do is they crawl down in the sewer, feed these you know, pipes, which are basically rolled up resins. Mm -hmm. They feed them in, then they fill them up with water and they harden. Uh, and so you know, their big sales pitch is, hey, you don't have to dig a hole in the ground. You don't have to divert traffic. You don't have to close roads. Uh, we can do this all for you without disturbing your life. So this ties in a little bit to the austerity argument I was making earlier, because when uh, followed Mueller Water for Hidden Gems, it's state and local governments on the hook for building yep. out the water infrastructure. And it's pretty well known that uh, they're having trouble paying their own bills, you yep. know, paying for the firefighters, the police, all the pensions on the retirees. And so water infrastructure build-out is probably about number 82 on their list of yeah, things it's to down spend there. money on. And what's pretty remarkable, too, they've done studies uh, that show uh, that both businesses and consumers uh, are willing to pay more in taxes, no, knowing that it will go towards 
uh, revamping water infrastructure. But no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. They'll I mean, care when the faucet stops working. There you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly willing to pay for a plumber to come to my house to fix just about anything. Because wh- while I do have some handyman skills, yeah. pretty much none of them are related to water. Are you? What about you? Are you, are you handy in the home? Uh, I got nothing. You got nothing? Charlie? I got nothing. No, Charlie? No, my dad is a plumber. I'm useless. <laughs> he didn't pass any of that on to no. you? No. Charlie Travers, Brian Hinman. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>